I want to study with you this morning is something that's incredibly important. Um, that can be said, I guess, every time. I feel like I say it every time. Uh, but um, very, very clearly, very important. Um, the last time I spoke, I talked about making a difference. And uh, this time, I feel like what we have to study is, is the next appropriate um, topic. I, there's a lot of ways that you can teach this. There's a lot of ways that you can study this. Um, all that conclude to one answer. Um, there is, uh, dare I say, hundreds of verses about this topic, and so we're going to read all those this morning. I'm kidding. Uh, what I want to talk about is the difference in a sinner and a saint. Um, and y'all are probably thinking that I'm getting obsessed with the word difference, and I'm not. Um, but I felt like that was the best way to pose the title of this lesson. Talking about the difference in a sinner and a saint. Um, you might think that's a, a silly thing to, to talk about or a silly thing to, to study about. Um, you might think, well, the difference in a sinner and a saint is night and day. The difference is black or white um, or whatever you want to say, east and west, north and south. Um, and in some ways that's true, but in other ways that's not necessarily the truth. Um, in a lot of ways, um, a sinner and a saint can and in some ways be compared. And don't get me wrong and, and don't, don't take me out of context when I say that. But I think that the best way for us to study the difference in the sinner and the saint is to um, separately define or to describe um, both the sinner and the saint and to look at, at some of the qualities or traits of both of those. And we'll start with, with describing the sinner this morning. In 1 John chapter 3, verse number 4, it says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you might think, once again, it's silly for me to say, the simplest way and, and the most defining way to define a sinner, or to describe, rather, a sinner, is to say that the sinner commits sin. Um, I think if you were to boil it down and just in one way, describe the sinner, you'd say, well, that's somebody who commits sin. And that's completely true. But there's other ways that we can define the sinner. You might even say that beyond a, a person who commits sin, a sinner might be somebody whose life is completely full of sin. This could be another way to describe the sinner. In Romans chapter 6, it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You could say that the sinner's life is full of sin. The Scriptures say that if we commit sin, we become the servants of sin. And we have this choice to make. We can either become the servants of sin unto death or the servants of obedience unto righteousness. And that's a choice that we get to make. And that's a way that we can describe the sinner as, a, as someone who is a servant of sin. Um, for, for me, you can describe someone as a sinner if they commit sin, but it's, it's a completely different way to describe somebody as a servant of something. To be the servant of sin. It's kind of a, a, a scary thought to think that committing sin makes you the very servant of sin. But that's a way that we can describe the sinner. Um, the sinner can be described as saying that his lifestyle... His, the very way he lives denies Christ. Um, and you might say, well, you know, I, I might commit sin, but I don't deny Christ. And you don't have to deny Christ with your mouth or with your lips. You don't have to say that you don't believe in Christ or you don't believe in God. Um, while some people may say that and deny Christ, um, your lifestyle determines whether or not you 
deny or accept Christ. In first, and excuse me, in Titus chapter one, it says they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient. In Luke chapter six, it says, "And why call, and why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say?" Our lifestyle can can be one that describes a a sinner if we deny Christ um, with our lifestyle. Jesus says, why would you call me Lord and not do the things which I say? Does that not describe us at times? Pray to God, Lord, Lord, and, and then turn around and, and disobey what He says. We would profess that, that we know God, but it, it could be our works that deny Him. Um, simply being disobedient is a way that we deny Christ. And kind of in the same breath, um, we could say and we could describe of the sinner that the sinner has no faith. In Titus um, 1 verse 15 it says, Under the pure all things are pure, but under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and their consciences, their conscience is defiled. It can be said of the sinner that they have no faith. Simply put, if, if you have faith, then you will obey God. If you have faith, um, then your lifestyle won't deny Christ. If you have faith, uh, you won't be described as a sinner, as someone who's full of sin. But the Scriptures describe the sinner as someone who has no faith, who is unbelieving. That's another scary thought to think that when the Scriptures say that you're disobedient, um, not only is it denying Christ by your actions, but proves that your lack of faith, proves um, that you have a lack of belief, that you're unbelieving in the Scriptures. But there are two things and two ways that we can describe the sinner um, besides someone who commits sin that I think are the most important. Um, and if you, if you don't understand any of the rest of how we describe a sinner, understand these two ways that we can describe the sinner. The first of that is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 8. We can describe the sinner here. It says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The sinner doesn't have God. It, it's one thing to not have faith. It's one thing to, um, to deny Christ, but to simply say that the sinner is without God. In other words, the sinner lives a life completely and totally alone. A sinner lives also a life that we could describe as being dead. In Matthew chapter 25 here in the parable of the, of the talents, says there, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So not only, um, and because, in the same breath, that the sinner doesn't know God, um, the sinner is described as somebody who is dead. Someone without life. What a horrible thought to be somebody who... Um, doesn't have God. To be somebody that is spiritually dead. And it's also a scary thought to think that um, somebody with good motives and good intentions with, um, that does kind things, uh, good things for others, that wants to serve God, um, that whenever they mess up, they try to do better. To describe them as alone and describe them as spiritually dead. But that's the sinner. And that's a way that clearly I'm not trying to sugarcoat this in any type of manner. That the sinner is somebody who is spiritually dead. That spiritually has no life. 
And so from there, I'd like to go ahead and, and describe the saint. And I think you'll see that there are, there are a couple um, similarities. Um, and that might seem odd to you, and, and bear with me um, in studying this. The first and, and one of the most important ways to describe the saint is that the saint is somebody who is free from sin. You know, whereas we describe the sinner as somebody um, whose life is full of sin, whose life denies Christ, who has no faith, um, who commits sin, the saint can be described as somebody who is freed from sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 18 says, Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Whereas the sinner is the servant of sin. The saint is the servant of righteousness. And as I said just moments ago, what a, what a horrible and what a scary thought to think that you are a servant of sin, a servant of evil, a servant of corruptness. But the saint is described as somebody who's free of sin, being the servant of righteousness, the servant of things that are good and holy and pure, a servant of Christ, a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, is somebody who is described as being freed from sin. Where sin is not a um, something that weighs them down, something that sin is not um, an enormous hindrance in their life. And once again, I want you to bear with me as we talk about this. Another way, another good way to describe the saint is to say that the saint is somebody who has been renewed. In Romans chapter twelve, verse two says there, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We can see here a, a, a description of both the sinner and the saint. You could say that the sinner is one who has been conformed to the world um, instead of being transformed. Um, but the saint is renewed. The sinner, is, or the saint rather, is transformed by the renewing of the mind. Then able to say and to describe of the saint that the saint is acceptable and is perfect in the sight of God, freed from sin. What an amazing way to be described. I want you to imagine for a moment that God is describing your life. He looks down and he sees Zane. Now is he describing him as a servant of sin or as a servant of righteousness? And if God looks at you today, what, how does he describe you? Are you the servant of sin or are you the servant of righteousness? Would God look at you and say that you are somebody who's been conformed to the world or somebody who's been transformed by His Word through the renewing of their mind? How would, Christ, or how would God um, describe you? Um, these, are, these are incredible ways to describe the saint. Um, but there's one more way that I think we can describe the saint in a way that you could compare to a sinner. Um, I would say in describing the saint, the saint is somebody who sins. Someone who occasionally falls short of, of the will of God. Somebody who occasionally messes up. That's a way that we can describe the saint. In the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse number 8, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so I, I want to say this morning, if there's somebody here who from the time they've became a, a disciple of Christ from the time they became a Christian. If you haven't sinned since then, I would love to talk to you. Uh, we could have a really, a really good conversation, I believe. Because um, in First John it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. Folks, let me tell you, Satan deceives me enough. I don't need to deceive myself any more than I have to. 
If we say that we have no sin, it's just a lie to yourself. We all have sin. We all have issues. We all have problems. And this is a way that we can be compared um, or described in the same way that a sinner is described. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, this is a faithful saying, Paul says, and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. We read here about Paul who... Um, who obviously um, in his younger days did horrible, um, nasty things, um, but he, was, he became part of Christ's body. He became a saint. And then he goes on later on in his life to say that he is the chief of sinners. A, a saint, a devout Christian, a devout follower of Christ says that he is the chief of sinners. And I think this just goes to show that occasionally um, the saint will fall. The saint will commit sin. And the wages of sin are still death, though. Um, and I believe that, I believe that Paul is, is probably harder on himself than anybody else would be. I think we're harder on ourselves than, um, than other people are, definitely. And I think that's part of why Paul said this. Um, but it goes to show that, that sin um, was in his life. He dealt with sin. And I said before that um, sin may not be thought of as an issue whenever you're freed from sin, um, but sin can still be in your life. Now, if you'll grab your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 7, we'll read there um, a, a handful of verses, starting in verse number 14. Romans chapter 7 and verse number 14, as we finally um, close on, on describing the saint. Romans seven fourteen says... For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. This is uh, Paul speaking uh, again. Verse 15, For that which I do I allow not, for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, now then, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do, would do good, evil is present within me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law and my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. We see here Paul um, in a very wordy um, passage of scriptures. It's kind of difficult to to understand what he what he might be saying. What Paul is saying is, I strive to serve Christ. I strive to serve God in the best of my ability each and every day. But he said, sin is still prevalent in my life. Sin is still something that I deal with in my life. Um, what sounds like he doesn't say this, but it sounds like pretty often. Paul deals with the struggles of sin. He deals with the temptations of life. And here in a, a description of a man who 
absolutely tries his hardest each and every day to serve God. We see a person, we see a man, a servant of Christ who commits sin and who falls short. And I think if, if you had to sum this up in a, a smaller way, I would say that's in um, the book of Matthew, and I won't try to tell you where that's at because I'll mess up. Um, but Jesus says in the garden, um, you know, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think that's what Paul's trying to say here. The spirit is willing, but it's the flesh that's weak. We live in a world where, where sin is, is all around us. Paul lived in that same world where sin was around him at every turn. And he, a saint of Christ, occasionally committed sin. And so I want to ask you the question, what's the difference? Because if we boil them down, we said before that the, the sinner, if you had to define him in one way, you would say, well, it's somebody who commits sin. If you had to define the saint in one way, you would say, well, that's somebody who's freed from sin, but they still occasionally commit sin. The Scriptures say that the, the wages of sin are death. That if we commit sin, we, we've earned death. A spiritual death. Just as the sinner is described as somebody who is dead, who doesn't have God. So what's the difference? What's the difference in the sinner and the saint? Um, the differences, uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, are few. Um, but the differences are incredibly important. The differences are incredibly um, large, if you want to say. One of those differences, um, the main difference can be read there in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, cut off there a little, says there, "...who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed." Folks, the difference is Christ. Christ is the difference in the sinner and the saint. Christ makes up the gap between the description in a sinner and a saint. Also, we see another difference in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. It says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The difference is Christ. We can sit here and we can, we can try to come up with a, a bunch of different re, uh, differences, but the difference is Christ. You might say, well, uh, I would say that the difference between a sinner and a saint is is." Kind of what Paul described in, in Romans chapter 7, that um, you know a saint is somebody who is trying each and every day. Um, and when they fail, they get back up and they, and they try again. I think that's definitely true. I think that's um, certain. I think that's something that, that God expects out of His saints. Um, but there are people who, um, who don't have Christ who try to do the best they can every day. There are people who don't have Christ who, when they fail, they, they try to do better the next time. There are people who don't have Christ who, who do good deeds and, and who have a, uh, a heart of service. And what I'm trying to say is there's, there's really one major difference between the sinner and the saint, and it's just Christ. If we read verse number 9 there, it says, Much more then, after, after he said uh, that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more then, being now justified by his blood... We shall be saved from wrath through Him. Without Christ, the saint becomes the sinner. Without the blood of Christ, without the justification that we have through the blood of Christ, the saint becomes the sinner. 
And the difference is totally and completely the blood of Christ. That is what makes up the difference between the sinner and the saint. And so as we close this morning, I want to ask the very obvious question, how can I have Christ? If there is one difference between a sinner and a saint, how can I make up that difference? How can I have Christ? How can I be the difference? And I think that's pretty clear where we're going, that we must hear, believe, repent, confess, and then finally be baptized into Christ's death. This is the difference. This is how you obey Christ. This is how you make that difference up. This is how you obey. This is how you become freed from sin. This is how you become renewed. This is how you put off the old man. And this is how you change from being the servant of sin into becoming the servant of righteousness. John chapter 6 verse 44 says there, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets... And they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. It's incredibly important that we hear the Word of God, that we hear the good news. The Gospel is, um, is said to be defined as the good news. And in order to be saved, in order to come to Christ, in order to be freed from sin, in order to become from the, sin, to, from the sinner to the saint, you must have heard the good news, have heard that Gospel. Also is, is to believe in John chapter 3 verse 16. Um, says there, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's incredibly important that we believe um, not only that Christ is the Son of God, that we believe that He died for our sins. That we believe that there was a man named Christ who actually walked on the earth where we walk today and who lived a perfect life and then died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. It's important that we repent. Luke 13.3 says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Um, if you remember, um, I can see Brother Michael right now walking across the front here and turning around and walking back, describing the word repentance. Um, repentance is to, to understand that the way that you lived before is disobedience to God. To understand that the lifestyle that you lived was a lifestyle that denied the Son of God to understand that the lifestyle that you had before was a lifestyle that was void of faith, that was void of a very relationship um, and knowing God, and to change from those ways, to turn around and, and go a complete 180 in a different direction and walk towards Christ. We must confess, as we read in Romans chapter 10, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you want salvation, if you want to be made freed from sin, if you want to be full of faith, a renewed, um, a renewed person, then confession must be made. Confession that Christ is the Son of God, confession that He died um, for your sins must be made. And finally... Um, we must be baptized. As you read in Acts chapter 2, verse number 38, it says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is how we come to Christ. This is how we become freed from sin. This is how we become no longer the servants of sin, but the servants of 
of righteousness. Get your Bible and, and look at in Romans chapter 6. We'll read a few verses there. Starting in verse number 3 of Romans 6, it says, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like His Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we also should be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Folks, if you want to be freed from sin, if you want to obey Christ, if you want to have complete and total freedom from the service of sin, it takes death. We often um, talk about how being baptized is, is imitating, is, is showing um, the death of Christ. Whenever we go down into um, the watery grave of baptism, we come up as a new man. It says that the old man is crucified. That all things become new. You're a new creature in Christ. And when you come up, the old man has been put to death. Just as Christ was raised up into life. And it seems simple, um, because it, it is. In order to gain Christ, in order to gain freedom from sin, in order to have a relationship, in order to know God, it, it's very simple. It's a very few simple steps, um, but Satan wants to make that confusing. Satan wants to make that seem difficult. Um, Satan wants to do anything to cloud um, the simplicity that we have in Christ. Um, and we can see an example of that. And, and right before we close, I want to show you an example of Satan um, clouding um, the vision of truth the, that was showed in King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. Um, if you go and you read the whole chapter of Acts um, chapter 26, um, starting pretty early on, um, you read about Paul there speaking to King Agrippa. And um, Paul does what, what a lot of preachers do today. Um, Paul preaches to King Agrippa the gospel. Um, he's teaching him the good news. And he, he tells um, very appropriately the very story that Paul um, had, uh, had been a part of in the book of Acts. And Paul tells him that he was traveling on the road to Damascus and then there was a light that shone on him and that everyone fell on their knees and that Christ spoke to Paul there on the road to Damascus. And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard to kick against the pricks. This is what Paul said to King Agrippa. And as they continue talking for most of that chapter, um, then in verse number 28 says there, King Agrippa says to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. This is what Satan wants. He, he wants a narrow miss. He wants you to, to deny Christ. He wants you to be somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God because He wants you to be the servant of sin. And without Christ today, you are the servant of sin. What a horrible thought. What a horrible thought to get up and walk out of here today um, without Christ knowing that you are a servant of sin. Knowing that you get up and you walk out of here spiritually dead with no life. A person who... And a, and a way to describe it would be a, a ticking time bomb, just waiting for your life to expire before eternal death. 
but to understand also how simple it would be to obey Christ. Um, you must hear His Word. And, and um, to be honest with you, you've heard that today. The gospel of Christ is to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. To understand that Christ died for your sins, as we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. To believe that Christ died for our sins. To believe He's the Son of God. To repent from your sinful ways. To confess that He's the Son of God. And finally, to be baptized into His death, into Christ, to become a new creature. And so I tell you, be adopted by Christ today. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 12. I'm going to go ahead and start in verse number 10. It says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. The word quicken there means um, liven up or to give life. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, ye are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Folks, be adopted by Christ today. To not obey Christ is to live a life of bondage, a life of service to sin, a life that has no faith, that denies Christ, that um, is void of knowing God, void of relationship with God, and a spirit that is dead. Um, but to receive Christ is to be adopted by Christ, to be a joint heir with Christ, if we had to continue on um, reading further in the chapter, to be joint heirs with Christ, adopted by, by the very God Himself. And so I encourage you to be adopted by Christ today. Um, it's simple to obey Christ. Um, the Scriptures tell us that Christ is simplicity. Satan wants to cloud that vision. Satan wants us to, um, to not hear the Word, if, if at all possible. But if we do hear the Word, he wants to choke that Word out of us. Um, he wants to take the Word out of our hearts. He wants us to not obey. Um, and he wants us to not have that, um, that relationship with God. To be the servant of sin. But folks, as we read in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Christ already died for our sins. He already made the steps um, that were necessary that we could be freed from sin. And now He's just waiting for us to obey. He's waiting for us um, to go down into that watery grave of baptism after we've confessed and repented of our sins. Um, Christ is waiting on that. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.